I want to come to Genesis chapter 45, and we're going to read just a few verses from the 45th chapter, verses 4 through 9, which is the reveal of uh, Joseph to his brothers. And uh, we want to talk about what I'm calling a view of God. How, how, is, how, how does this book and, and the story of Joseph help us in terms of our understanding of who God is and how he is at work? <clears throat> so uh, follow along with me. I'm breaking in at verse 4 or verse four of Genesis 45. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now. There has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will, be, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh. Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. In this uh, look at Joseph, we've, we've backed up a ways and found a variety of things in terms of dealing with the tests or trials, challenges of life. We started with the, the look at the trial in Genesis 39 and the, the issue with Potiphar's wife, things you needed to know when temptation and trial comes your way. In the 40th chapter, we talked about what happens when it seems, it seems that God is late. Joseph lingers in prison. There were lessons that he needed to learn along that way. And during the time of waiting, he purposed in his heart to uh, be faithful to God, be available to God, even though geography changed, and confident in God uh, in terms of how he was going to live. <clears throat> the 41st chapter led us to the question, is your God big enough? for the challenges and trials that come your way. And in there, we looked at the fact that God always is at work to get our attention. doesn't make a difference. He's always at work to capture our hearts and get our attention. And that he uses relationships, networks of people is what we talked about, and that there are no coincidences in life but there are rather God incidences where he is at work and working in us and through us uh, to orchestrate a greater good. And that he uses uh, Joseph as a servant to be a messenger of truth to Pharaoh who is seeking. And that's all a part of that greater work of God as God was big enough for him. We talked about dealing with our past a few weeks ago now. And how that when there are experiences in our life that come along 
they can sometimes unsettle us and bring wounds to our heart that we need to deal with. Sometimes we can lose security, we can be harshly treated, there can be breakup of family, there can be uh, other, other problems, there are experiences we encounter that keep us from being able to uh, honestly deal with the problems of the past and uh, freely forgive uh, and, and move ahead in days, in, in days before us. <clears throat> Last week we talked a little bit more about steps of freedom. How do we get there in terms of dealing with the past? There were three words we primarily locked on to. One of them was confession, one was repentance, and one was reconciliation. We said those are always the words that God uses to uh, capture our hearts. So, so that was, uh, that's a quick summary of five sermons in about five minutes. Uh, so if you missed it, that's kind of where we've been. But we're going to come one more time uh, into this 45th chapter and, and see how it is that Joseph views uh, his God. Throughout that study of the life of Joseph, we've been seeing that the Bible is relevant because it speaks to our universal need to know the God who made us. And we, we, live, we live on this side uh, of, e- of eternity, if you will, and in this keyhole of life, we, we can't always say certainly how God or how life is going to work. There's a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of unexpected things that can happen. But, but we can find it comfort anyways in our world to know that, that even, even a world that's marked by sudden death, every sort of cruelty that man can devise, God is not a passive observer in this. He is actively at work seeking to draw men to himself. He works behind the scenes to bring about ends that are for our good and his glory. He's, he's up to that. But how does God accomplish that? What, what are the things that he does? And so I want to talk about a few, few things, a few thoughts along the way in terms of this particular piece. The first thing I want to remind us about is that <clears throat> he allows those things on the journey to reveal what's in their hearts. He allows things on our journey to show us what's inside of our heart. Now, sometimes we think better of ourselves than, than we can. I, 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 let me illustrate. I, um, uh, I was driving down the road, uh, heading down to Target, I think, that particular day, or maybe it was Lowe's. That's my next favorite store, or my most favorite store is Lowe's. So anyway, so I was going down the road, and suddenly uh, on the right-hand side, a motorcycle came by and passed me on the right. Now, this is a two-lane road. So he was passing me on the burn. And I thought, first of all, I was surprised by it. I hadn't spotted him in the rearview mirror. And all of a sudden, zoom, zipped around me. And my first thoughts were unkind to that idiot who passed me on the right-hand side. Now, it's not because I dislike motorcycles. It's just that you don't pass on that side. And, 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 and the reason why he passed on that side is because there was a double yellow line in the middle. But there was no double yellow line on the right. There was just a single line. So maybe he thought, that's what I can do. So he zipped around. 
I made it up to the traffic light where he was stopped. So he gained nothing. So then uh, I wrote him. Detective Chuck says, I'm going to write that idiot's license plate number, and I'm going to talk to my state police retired guy next door and see if I can rat on this guy. It's just unkind thoughts. So, so, so then we moved to the next light, and I turned down to target if I wanted it to go that way. Um, and when we got to that light, the light was changing, and he decided he was, he was in a hurry. And so he blasted through the red light. And my thoughts were, maybe he's going to be in a pile somewhere. Maybe he deserves to be in a pile somewhere. Just in terms of that kind of thing. So sometimes there's stuff in my heart that isn't all that kind. And so I, I have to deal with that. I have to process that. But some, some stuff... Uh, that goes on, it's intended to just kind of bring out something. You experience those things. It kind of shows what's in there. Sometimes in my own heart, it's not always gracious. Now, Joseph's brothers were motivated entirely by envy and malice. You know the story well enough. They couldn't stand the thought that their little brother would one day rule over. Remember the story, the, the, the dreams that Joseph had. And God simply gave them a chance to reveal what was already in their hearts. And as long as they were under Jacob's direct control, Joseph was safe. But when, when they went out and then they gathered the flocks and dealing with all of that stuff, Joseph comes to find them. Their latent envy boils to the surface and they think, oh, okay, that's, that's off him. At first they plan to leave him die in a pit, but... God interposed and brought along the Midianites and those traitors came along and so others entered the picture. Again, just kind of revealing what's in their hearts. He, he, he goes down to Egypt and then, and then you have the story with Potiphar and then, and then his wife and later you have the baker and you have the cupbearer and still later you have Pharaoh. These are all people who acted according to their own inclinations but in accordance with God's plan, he was still working behind the scenes. He simply gave them a chance to act, in some cases on their evil intentions, in some cases when they were seeking him, like Pharaoh was, to reveal the stuff in their hearts. So, so God allows the experiences to reveal what's in our heart. I said before, I was telling you the story about a friend that came and preached at the church and the message title was uh, The World's Greatest Detective and it dealt with the issue of sin. And the scriptures say, be sure, in numbers, be sure your sin will find you out. Sometimes that's what God longs to do. He brings truth to us to reveal what's in our heart so that we can deal with it, we can process it and rightly handle it, develop a right view of God. Then uh, the other thing is that in, in our journey, on the journey, in our experiences, he permits Satan to instigate them to evil, instigate people to evil around us. It, it doesn't, it's not a causative thing. It, it's a permissive thing. And 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion and looking for people to destroy. 
John 10 tells us that's essentially what goes on. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And he possesses power. Don't underestimate the power of the enemy. We don't want to be unaware of his schemes. But he can do nothing without God's permission. That's in part what the book of Job is dealing with a little bit when Satan comes and cannot afflict Job beyond the limits, the boundaries that God establishes. The devil is powerful, but he's not omnipotent. He has knowledge, but he's not omniscient. And Jesus, a few hours before his betrayal, told Peter that Satan had requested to sift him like wheat, is the language, meaning that Satan could not tempt him to evil without God's permission. So he operates within the limits imposed by God. He is permitted, Satan is permitted, to instigate people to evil. He's permitted to instigate us that direction as well. That's at least in part probably why I had such unkind thoughts toward that idiot, well, I'm sorry, toward that motorcycle rider who was passing on the wrong hand side of the wrong side of the road. It, it, it just kind of pulled something out that was in in my heart. Yet we we can't we can't uh, simply pass it off. A long time ago, there was a comedian by the name of Flip Wilson, and that dates me an awful long long time ago. But he had this theology and, and it was in this alter character, alter ego called Geraldine. Uh, and that, none of you are shaking your heads very well. So either it's wrong. All right. So and, and he developed this, this, this theology that says the devil made me do it. So we pass the buck and blame it on the devil at that point. Uh, you, you can't you can't do that. But but the enemy of our soul tries to pull us out. Now, there's something that God does in process that's fascinating to me, and that is that in the process of the journey, when we understand what he's about, he allows us to, he allows us to stew in our juice sometimes. He allows us to get the consequence of our actions. He, was, he withdraws what, I'm, what I would describe as his restraining grace. In other words, it's just simply that Things could be a whole lot worse, but he restrains his, his actions toward people. God doesn't let things get as bad as they could be. But when, when God removes his hand of grace, things start to fall apart quickly. If you recall in Romans 1, uh, there it tells us that God exercises judgment on people that choose not to believe, by giving men and women over to further sin. God gave them up, is the language. In other words, if it, it's almost like God says, if that's what you want, go ahead. When he chooses to remove that restraint of grace upon our lives. Sometimes God's harshest judgments on sinners is to do nothing at all. He simply says, you want to destroy your life? Go ahead. You want to destroy your family? Go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. You've already rejected me, and I'll respect your decision. If you want to plunge off the cliff, 
go ahead. But you'll find out how sharp the rocks are at the bottom of that ravine. If people, if men and women despise the mercy of God, they're left without nothing but his judgment. And he blinds the eyes of those who choose not to see him and hardens the heart of those who prefer to go their own way. But here's the language. We've used it before. We've said it before. But for the grace of God, there I go. And, and whenever God keeps you from going a, a path, a direction that the enemy of our soul longs to pull you out in, always be grateful that he is restraining, and that's the purpose of his spirit in our world, in our day. In, in light of all of that, the, the final piece here, before I get to some practical application of it, is that he uses those people, experiences, and things to accomplish his own purposes. When you stop and go back over the life of Joseph, you say, you, you can be at the end and say, well, I see what God was doing. I might not have seen it in the process. There may have been some things that were mysterious. Why didn't he show up? Why, why isn't there? there? There could have been that kind of stuff, but, but God is still in the process to accomplish his purposes. Sometimes he uses the evil deeds of evildoers to further his own plans in the world. When Christ was born, the father used Herod's paranoia to guide the wise men to Bethlehem. And later he used Herod's slaughter of the innocents to lead Mary and Joseph and the baby to Egypt so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I've called my son. And when we see it, 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 it clearly in those events that surrounding the death of Christ, Jesus' death was not something as an afterthought. He was very aware of what was going on. He died according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And he could not have died otherwise. His death took place at the hands of lawless men, Acts 2.23 says, who stand guilty before God. We may not fully see it, but there is a harmony between God's predetermination or predestination and the moral choices that are free that you and I make as sinful people. God is still able to accomplish his purposes through even the, the, uh, the evil of, of, uh, of fallen mankind. So what do we do? We have a picture here of, of God who is at work behind the scenes. So what are the practical applications? They're just kind of reminder kinds of things today. First one is this. Remember that our troubles do not happen by accident. Our troubles don't happen by accident. It's not, oh, what a coincidence, what a coincidence that was. It is more than that. God is at work to will and to do of his good pleasure. When we focus on the immediate stuff, we end up angry or bitter or despondent. God, where are you in the midst of this? And it's easy to think of people only in those terms, people that hurt us deeply along the way. And we say, 
whether it's a parent or grandparent or friends, we thought we could trust, our church members who let us down, people who stabbed us in the back. We, we thought we could trust them, and the list can go on and on. But as long as we focus exclusively on people who hurt us, we're doomed. We're doomed to dwell in that swamp of bitterness. We'll be there if we focus on that entirely. God allows things to come and it uses people as instruments, but they are his rod to correct and instruct and shape us into the image of Jesus, and that's what he longs to do and moves us along that way. Um, those who misuse us will give account. There, there will be an accountability. I, 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 I wrote down that guy's license plate number because I wanted him to get a, a, a company a, a, a little, bit, little bit sooner kind of, you know, statement or some action to just say, hey, you know, not that it'll probably do anything, but there will be an accountability at some point. Not because he passed on the right-hand side, but there will be accountability for a multitude of things that he did and I will do. I'll give account. The scales of justice will be balanced when we get to the end of things. The second thing is this, that we need to look for the good where others may only see evil. We need to look for the good when others may only see evil. And, and probably that more than anything else is the secret in Joseph's life. He saw God everywhere. He saw his hand on him when he was in the pit, saw his hand when he got shipped off to Egypt, saw his hand when God raised him up to be the steward at Potiphar's house, saw his hand even when things were going south and he spent some more time in a jail situation. Um, others might see evil, and Joseph could have said it, it was... It was not everything that I would long for it to be, but he could see and look back and see the purposes of God at work in his life. Joseph simply says, God was here. When all those bad things happen, it's true, but it doesn't comprehend the full sense of his words. Joseph means to say God was in charge of the whole process. That's what he's trying to accomplish in this whole story. He was sent to Egypt for a purpose. The purpose was to save his family. The purpose was to save lives, the very brothers who had betrayed him. It was God's plan from the beginning. That was the way that God was able to preserve his people, take them to Egypt, eventually lead them out through another character named Moses, all part of the preservation of the work and people of God in, in process. And, and Joseph is one of those key players who fits under this rule and reign of the sovereign working of God. Another thing, however, we've got to keep in mind, and, and Joseph modeled this so well for us, we have the purpose to forgive those who hurt us. Um, when you see somebody... What do you see? What comes to mind? When you run into somebody you haven't seen for a while, or when you run into somebody who did something to you, what comes to your mind? 
do, do, do you respond to the motorcycle guy around the right-hand side? Do you say, yeah, I remember you put the nail to me. You just put it to me. I, I'm convinced that until we deal with the stuff that God brings before us in our relationships to one another, we won't be fully free. We'll just be living in the swamp of despair and unforgiveness. But God is able to do far more than that. But we need the purpose in our hearts to forgive those who hurt us. If we believe in the sovereign working of God, we have a reason to forgive those who hurt us deeply. I'm not saying that we forget what they've done. Those memories may be with us forever, but we may choose to forgive. We purpose to choose not to remember would be one way to put it. To forgive means to choose not to remember. To pardon means clear the record so no, we no longer hold on to the things of the past. We need to let those things go. And that's when that forgiveness comes fully and freely by God's grace. It was the same language that Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They may have known what they were doing, but it's not what they thought they were doing. There is a bigger kind of issue that was at work there. And as we purpose to forgive, then one final piece is this. And that is we have the opportunity to cultivate a new admiration for God's wisdom in all things. <clears throat> I, I don't begin to understand all the workings of, of things, you know, in, in a church-related kind of thing. Why does God allow um, a, 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 a division, a faction to happen in a church? Um, we can churches can polarize over stuff, they polarize over COVID stuff, and so you can have you can have one group that sits and that's where the masked people sit, and then one section sits where the unmasked people sit, and then if that doesn't work, then you you develop a a, a live feed that goes to another building, so that the, those that don't like it either one can find a place to, it just gets nutsy with, with how things can work to that way. But, we, but in all of this, we need to develop that admiration of God's wisdom in working through things. Life, I don't want to say that life is always a jigsaw puzzle, but it's, it's kind of like that. We're like children trying to put the puzzle together and we don't have the box with a picture on the cover. We don't know how it all is supposed to work out. So we're left trying to fit our little handful of pieces together and trying to figure out the big picture at the same time. And so no wonder we struggle with to figure out what life is all about. And as the years go by, we pick up more pieces of the puzzle and things that once troubled us now seem, seem a little bit more to fit in place. And over time, they gain a new appreciation for the wisdom of God because nothing is ever wasted. Everything fits somewhere. We live this way, the scriptures tell us, by faith. So how can we live like this in a world where tragedy does not seem to be very far away? I, I don't know what went on, 
when we made the corner down here at the whatever the church is, not the not the Methodist church, but the one on the corner down there, the traffic light, there were three police officers, a couple cruisers, and they were they had crime scene little little tripod things or little little clip them things, you know, but number one, number two, number twenty, whatever it was. They were trying to sort something out. I don't know if it was a crime scene, accident scene, whatever. But there's stuff, something that went on. It may not have made a whole lot of sense to anybody. But, but it seems like tragedy is at times never very far away. We live this way by faith. We choose to believe that God is at work in everything that happens to us. Faith like that makes us strong when it's based upon God's word. And that's why the story of Joseph is so important to us because it calls us to live by faith. There is a verse in the scriptures that I think we are very familiar with. And it, uh, we like one part, we like one verse. We don't like the, we have to make sure we get it all in context. I'm talking about a verse called Romans 8, 28. It's true in every circumstance. For we know that God works all things together for good. We, we like that part. But then the next verse says, For those who are called according to his purpose. And he talks about how he, they were ordained for purpose. And he is constantly at work. Not everything seems to make sense at times, but God is at work in his purpose. He believes, we believe as Christ followers, that all things work together for his good and for God's glory. Because, because Why? Because God said it does. We put our trust and confidence in that. We walk by faith, not by sight. We believe that someday we're going to see all the links in the chain of circumstances that led from earth to heaven. And on that day, we'll bless the Lord for sovereign wisdom that's displayed in every circumstance of life. So it is with that confidence, the confidence that Joseph led with, that we can rest in the Lord and know that all will be well. At times when we may not understand beginning from the end, God is still faithful, still able, still of him. And that's the view of God that we have from this portion in Genesis chapter 45. God is orchestrating. God is working. And we get to we get we get to worship such a God and put our absolute trust and confidence in Him. The story of Joseph is a fascinating uh, study. I, I I believe it has so much practical help for us along the way. My prayer is that we'll remember all the pieces of things so that we don't forget and we develop this new admiration for what God is doing. You find the ways in which that applies. Let's apply that to our church here. You know, what is God doing? You know, we've run into this COVID business, and that's for three months put a, put a, a, a cramp into a whole lot of things and maybe cause people to despair or to get discouraged or just give up or think, what's the use? Or I got used to being not coming to church, so it's hard to get back. At it. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on in the dynamic of things. But in it all, God is still the same and still longing to make worshipers of us. So just bring yourself a purpose to find that admiration of God still at work 
to will and do of his good pleasure in process. I want you to pause on me for prayer and uh, just uh, let's just allow the Lord to let the truth of his word capture our hearts. It's hard sometimes, our Father, to get the right view of you. We, we sometimes think that you've forgotten us, you've neglected us, you've stopped working among us. We can, we can default to those kinds of uh, stinking thinking along the way. But when we, when we see the picture, the story through the life of Joseph, we see that while he didn't always see how it was all working, he trusted you. And, and you used what was evil and bad intent to accomplish your greater purpose and your glory, your greater good. When there are those times when we may lose our way a bit and, and wonder what you're up to, help us to drill down to your word and, and be captured by the truth of the sovereign working of an omniscient, omnipotent God who is able to work all things together for good, for the greater glory of your name. May we purpose to press into you in our journeys, whatever that looks like for us individually and corporately as a church body. May we press into you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Minister to us as you know our needs. And use us in ways this week that will give encouragement and help to those about us. Help us to find some practical ways to share the things that we've been learning here about Joseph with others about us. So thank you for what you'll do. We'll give you all praise and glory. In the name of Christ, we pray together today. Amen and amen.